Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Church in the Valley. We are really glad that you're here uh, to worship with us this morning on this beautiful day. And like Jeremy said, we're really glad that you're here. And uh, we've been actually in a message series the last uh, several weeks talking about kind of big picture things related to what life is all about, the purpose of life, the meaning of life, and kind of like why are we here? And so it's called Suburban Myths. And we've been on this journey to kind of what is really important and kind of on this process of evaluating when it all comes down to it, what really matters. And we've been following the conclusions and evaluations of a man in the Bible named Solomon. And Solomon was the third king of Israel, had a lot of power, had a lot of influence, as you could imagine a king would. But he also had a tremendous amount of wisdom that God had given him. And in addition to his wisdom, he had a tremendous amount of resources, kind of like an unlimited supply of wealth and power and really whatever he could want. And for a period of his life, he really walked with God and tried to be the leader that God wanted him to be. But towards the end of his life, he kind of drifted. He kind of decided that he wanted to do things his own way. And he began to go on this search of how to make kind of sense out of life. And you find a lot of his conclusions and a lot of his evaluations in the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. And this is classified under wisdom literature. And it's really read like a, a just kind of a summary of experience. And he's describing his experiences. And a lot of them are raw and a lot of them are blunt and to the point. And as you read them, you kind of find out Solomon is looking at life, trying to figure out what's the point. And that's, in fact, what we kicked off the series with. What, what's the point? And it's a really good question for all of us to ask, not just people from the past. But really, we do want to ask that continually. What, what's the point of my life? What's the point of me being here? Where am I headed? And he began, as he was trying to figure out the point, he began looking at different things that are important to all of us. And he decided that he would test these things, and we're calling them these suburban myths, these things, these assumptions, these beliefs that we hold dear to us that lead us in a certain direction. And he just decides in this book of Ecclesiastes, and we have it to read to, to learn from, he kind of puts these myths and these beliefs to the test. And so he, he wanted to know, what about knowing all the answers and what happens when you don't know all the answers? And we spent that on week two and uh, what about desire and pleasure? And what happens when you really go on this thing to feel good, but as you feel good, you really don't feel as good as you wish, and it doesn't last long? And he talked about that. And he's, we've been also talking about work. What happens if you give yourself fully to work, and that becomes the end that you build your life around, a career, success? And then last week, we talked about power and money. What happens in your life if you make power and money the ultimate goal? And what does that do to our relationships? What does that do to our future? What does that do to our present? And how does life flow doing that? So today, we're going to be talking about something that we all experience in life. And that's kind of where does God fit? And he actually, Solomon, is taking us further on the journey to look at religion. What about religion? And religion, as I'm defining it today, is really our attempts to try to make sense out of how God fits into this world, how God fits into our life. And Solomon's words are very instructive, and we're going to be reading some more of his thoughts in the book of Ecclesiastes. But religion, as I'm defining it, is really a sense of how we try to make sense of God in our world. How do we kind of fit him into our life? And Solomon 
draw some really helpful conclusions that I think will be instructive for us. So I wanted to catch you up. Today we're going to be talking about religion and how do we kind of fit God or can God fit into what we're doing? And and what about this God that people have a reference to, people have experience with, some people don't, some people believe he exists, some people believe he doesn't exist. And what do we do about this issue of religion? Now, if you grew up like I did, there were certain things like your parents kind of warned you to not talk about, like politics, religion. When you come to church, you get to talk about that stuff because the Bible actually talks about that stuff. It talks about what's really important. It talks about the kind of minds that we should have and the kind of lives that we should live. And so it's very specific. And here at Church in the Valley, we follow Jesus Christ. And as Christians, we really want to do what Jesus tells us to do. And if you have committed your life to Christ, you know that's what Christianity is all about. Deciding that Jesus is the boss. He's the leader of your life. And the picture of Christianity is really a willingness to do whatever Jesus tells us to do. Now, most of us have kind of a concept that that's what Christianity is, regardless if you're a Christian or not. However, though, there's a sense in which this idea of religion And kind of the things that we try to do on the outside to look good before God or to convince God that we're really okay. This is something we all have to deal with. And as you look again and again in Scripture, you see that every man and every woman has this kind of tension that they're all going to have to wrestle with. And it's a sense of how do we approach God in a way that actually matches the way he wants us to approach him? How do we actually do life his way? And it's something that we have to figure out we have to get into the scriptures and then things begin to make sense and it begins with faith it's an idea that we really don't know how to live our life outside of god and that's a bold statement because you have to admit some things that we don't know it at all we don't have ultimate control we actually don't know how to set the ultimate direction for our life and so solomon is kind of presuming all these things And as he's talking about religion, he's trying to kind of cut through what really matters. And really, in his book, in Ecclesiastes, he's making a conclusion that religion can actually be a disguise to get what we want. The acts that we try to do outside before God, the things that we try to appear in the name of religion can actually be a disguise to get what we want. Really, it's our attempt to be okay before God. We want God to fit in to our life. And we all have agendas of our life, where we want to head and what we'd hope to come about in our life. And sometimes in the name of religion, we want to present our plans before God and say, God, please sign this. Sign my life statement. Just say you're okay with this. Put your signature here. That way I can be okay. And oftentimes these are masks that we put on in the name of religion. We want God to fit into our plans. And sometimes we approach God with certain ends that we want him to meet. Kind of like God is is a genie where we plug in things that we need and hopefully he'll grant them to us. Whether that's feelings, we want to feel better about our life. Maybe there's some pressure. And in the name of religion, we hope that God can just make us feel better. Like everything's going to be okay. Or I know sometimes with me, I have a guilty conscience. There's things that I do and there's things I struggle with. And sometimes I'm like, okay, how do I, how do I feel better? How do I take this guilt away? And many people in the name of religion try to figure out, okay, if I do enough things and I do enough good, then the guilt can be removed from my life. 
Many times religion is also something that we do to get approval from people. If you grew up going to church, there was probably a part of you like me on a Sunday morning when your parents woke you up to get out of bed where you thought, I'm only going because my mom just woke me up and I cannot get back to sleep. That was part of my experience. I went because my parents told me I had to go. If you're married and a spouse goes, you kind of feel the pressure. I I better go. Life's going to be better if I do what they want. And so religion can even fall into kind of this umbrella of just trying to get approval from others. And so Solomon, knowing this, again, he's been on this quest. He's been watching the lives of people. He's been experiencing his own life. And he kind of came to the conclusion that, you know what, we do a lot of things. Under the God box. We want God to fit in our box. We want God to fit in our plans. We want God to fit in our agenda. And he's saying, you know what? A lot of you pursue power and money. A lot of you pursue work. A lot of you pursue pleasure. A lot of you try to find the answers to everything. And even some of you try to make religion the thing that you can still get what you want. You can still just make yourself happy in the name of religion. He's saying you've got to be careful. And this is what he says. In this scripture, in Ecclesiastes 5, he draws some conclusions. He's basically saying, here, people, I've talked about a lot of things. Some struggles that we all have, some things that some have, some don't have. And there's a sense of which life is tough, it's difficult, it's hard to maintain the balance. And he the deal. You can try to hide from other people. And you could try to appear somebody that you're not. But with God... You have to take off the mask. With God, you have to take off your mask. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, he gives some instruction on how to do that. The first part is, he says, you know, we need to take our place before God and we need to carefully listen to him. It's not about religion. It's not about man-made things that we do to try to make ourselves feel better. He says we need to take our place before God we need to listen. Check this out. He says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. That word guard there is keep watch over. Know where you're going. You're going to the house of God. You're going to meet God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. So he's saying when you come before God, you need to recognize This is the God of the universe. So look carefully. Know where you're headed. Know whom you're before. There's a sense of you're you're in the presence of the Almighty. And he says, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, Let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. I used to be in sales right out of college. And to be a good salesman, you have to have what they call the gift of the gab. You heard that before? It's the ability to talk well with the goal of trying to sell people what you're trying to sell them. And the people that have the gift of the gab know how to talk to people. They know how to kind of overcome the obstacles that people present. They know how to go around them. They know how to close the deal. And oftentimes, with God, we try to do the same thing. 
We try to sell God on our own plan. We try to sell God that really we can handle our life on our own. Again, we just want him to sign off on our life plan. What Solomon is saying is you have to take your place. Why? He gives just a simple picture. Well, God is in heaven and you are on earth. Let your words be few. There's a sense that God in heaven has a vantage point because he's God that no one else has. And that's true. He's God. No one can see like God. No one can think like God. As Solomon is saying, if you don't take your place and recognize that, you're going to try to sell God on your life. But God is the one that actually can lead your life. He can tell you the kind of life that you can live. He's saying, take, take off the mask. Don't sell God. Take your place before him and carefully listen. I don't know about you. I am not the best listener. I'm not. You ever been in a conversation with somebody and you've kind of tuned them out? And you're, you're nodding at the appropriate times. And you're making eye contact. And you smile. And all of a sudden, they ask you something and you freeze because you realize that they're asking a question that demands an answer for something that you've not been listening to. You guys had that experience before? And then you only say the first thing that comes in your mind, which, mouth, which is, yeah. And they say, really? <laughs> you go, uh-oh. I have no idea what they've said. And now they're reacting to what I just said. And maybe I just committed my next year to helping them every morning with their yard work. You say, yeah, and they say, really? How come? (laughs) Yeah. You've been found out. You're not listening. And in that moment, you have a point in which, okay, do I keep going and just trying to kind of say the words that make sense? Or you just have to say, you know what? I, I just, I didn't hear what you said. And then there's that awkward tension. are like, <laughs> but you said, yeah. And you're like, I know, I didn't listen. And it's just awkward for a little bit. That tends to happen. We come before God, and so many times we think, what can I tell him? What does he need to know? What can he sign off on? And someone's saying, stop. He's in heaven. He knows. He can see. Listen. Listen. That's what's so important about knowing our place because we don't listen to God unless we realize that He actually has something to tell us. We only listen to people we want to listen to. And Solomon is saying, in the name of religion, we've made it about us a lot. There's a lot of showy things that we can do in our life. There's a lot of things on the outside that appear like we know exactly what God wants. But when it comes down to it, we actually don't listen to him. And if we do listen, we may not do what he says. And he's saying, this, this is going to cost you your life as well, just like all the other things. This is going to lead to a life where all you have are dreams. And he says, for a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. This idea of sometimes the concept of God is just in a dream, like where we dream like, wow, what if my life is going to look like this? And what if God allows this to happen? And There's like no relationship with God. It's just a dream that you have. He's saying this this is a waste. This is nothing just like everything else that we've been talking about. 
Religion can be just like the pursuit of money, just like the pursuit of success, just like the pursuit of work. You build your life on something and you realize that it's just been for show. Solomon's saying, be careful. And he goes on further. Here's another way to take off your mask. Do not play games with God. And here he speaks about the promises people make in the name of religion. Really, promises that they say before God that they're going to do. God, I'm going to be better. I'm going to give more. I'm going to love more. And they make these vows before him. And, And this is what he says. When you vow, a vow to God, do not delay paying it. So don't make just empty commitments and promises. It says, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. And do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? So you see this theme. There's this foolish way as people try to approach God, which is giving God our ideas. Again, about what we think He should do. And playing games is we get in this position with God where we just want to tell him what we think he wants to hear. We do that with parents a lot. You know, we want to go out for the weekend. We want an extended curfew. And so try to think, well, if I get all my chores done, I tell my mom she looks beautiful. My dad, I really appreciate him. Maybe my curfew will be extended. As you can tell, I have played games with my own parents. I've tried that. It's kind of strategizing. How do I relate to this person in a certain way where they're going to allow me to do what I want to do? And it's games. It appears to be one thing, but it's really something else. And Solomon's saying that's what religion can be. We just tell God, we just give lip service. Whether it's the commitment we're going to make, whether it's the way that we're going to serve, whether it's what we're going to do, whether we tell him, you know, God, you can, anything you tell me to do, I will do. What Solomon is saying is, be careful. Because according to God, if you say that, and he tells you to do something, you've now said, you will do it. So he's giving this picture again of our words. Religion can be so much about lip service. So much about what we can say. So much about what we think. He's saying it's not about that. It's actually about If you're going to say something, you need to do it. You need to follow through. That's what commitment is. It's not about lip service. Do not be rash with your words. Be committed. So Solomon, he's he's like calling our bluff. He's experienced it as You kind of are bluffing like, yeah, I have this. He's saying God God calls you out on that. He's like, okay, do it. Wait, 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 wait. I, I can't do it right now, God. Maybe later can't do it at this point because it's not exactly falling as I should, maybe later. And Solomon is saying, you can't play games. God knows you. And he knows what you need. And so you have to take off the mask. We have Halloween coming up in a couple weeks. And as you go into the store, you know, you see all the costumes. And for kids, it's kind of the greatest holiday that has ever existed. Right? Right? Because one night a year, you can tell kids 
You know, if you just dress up with that and you put that mask on and you take a bag and you knock on doors, people will give you free candy. You ever thought about just this? That's it's like the perfect holiday for kids. You knock on doors with a costume and you get free candy. And as adults, you know, we, we kind of, in moderation, tell our kids, you know, not too much, but inside we're like, enough to share with us, right? And we get into the holiday as well. But you don't want to be that person that comes up to the door and, you know, the parent. Yeah, the kid, they're in the car. You don't do that. You know, you've you got to at least be in the costume. You're just a big eighth grader. They don't know it, right? But, you know, you, you just, you have your bag and just give me what I want. That's what Solomon is saying. In the name of religion, we just put a mask on and we come to God with a bag. God, just give me what I want. Give me the feeling. Give me this person that I really like. Give me this future that I really hope for. Give me this promotion. We just open our bag. And then Solomon, he, he boils it down even further. He gives kind of the bottom line statement. We're going to be talking more about this next week. Here's the bottom line. He says, despite all the things that we want to say before God, despite all the masks that we have, whether it's playing games, whether it's speaking and promising and telling God all that we're going to do for him, this is what Solomon says. Fear God. It's not about religion. It's about what we can do for God. It's about fearing Him alone. This is what he says in verse 7. Ecclesiastes 5, 7. For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. Again, the dreams. How God fits into our plans. How He can sign off on what we want. Vanity, it's, again, it's, it's, it's emptiness. It's the wind. You cannot put your hand on it. There's nothing to show for it. And then he says this, but God is the one you must fear. God is the one that you must fear. Just like we approach money to be happy or we can approach work to be happy. Sometimes we approach God, just God, just make me happy. And here's the paradox. When you actually do fear God, and you take Him seriously enough to do what He says, to make it about Him and not about me, you actually do get happiness and a true joy that can't come any other way. But you can't pull one on God. You have to choose to fear Him. It's not about the religion. It's about the relationship through Jesus Christ where you realize, God, You can have my life. You can have my plans. You can have my agenda. You can have the picture of my future. He's just, you've got to lay it all down before him. You fear him. You want to do life his way. That's what Christianity is all about. It's not my way anymore. It's his way. And there's struggles. And there's still times where we're going to want to have God sign off on what we really want. And there's still struggles where our way and our desires get in the way of what God wants for us. That in the relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we actually have the power to change. Religion, where we're in control, 
trying to maneuver God. We don't have the power to change. We get stuck. That's why Solomon says, but God is the one that you must fear. And we all have to choose. This is the idea of who's going to call the shots. Who's going to make us realize what's really important? Is it us? Is it God? Is it other people? And Solomon is saying, unless you fear God and you allow him to be the ultimate trump card, he can come and show us what we will do and he will tell us what he wants and can do it. Unless we do that and we say, God, I'm willing to follow you, whatever the cost, whatever you say to do, unless that happens, Solomon is saying, religion can become just like another pursuit. We may be good on the outside, but there's no change within. Our heart do not change. When I think of this, this is kind of a, there's, there's a tension there. Because a lot of us, it's so easy to do church and to play the game of church and to kind of go through the motions. And when you look at the life of Jesus, he actually came on earth and he lived life and he spent his time really showing people what loving God was all about. People was all about. That's what he wanted to sum up. Here's the mission. You love God. You love people. And through the life of Jesus, you see this. And you, so it's kind of an echo of what Solomon is saying. And the picture is, is that of, of dancing. Now, I don't know if you dance much, and I am not a premier dance, dancer. You guys seen Hitch? Like, I actually look at Kevin James. I, I wish I had the clip. If you haven't seen it, go watch it, and then you can laugh later. But... Kevin James, he dances, and I, I like watch him dance in the movie Hitch, and I think like, hey man, those are some good moves. Like, like he's like inspiration. But with dancing, especially slow dancing, somebody always has to lead. You, you can't have two people leading. You know, you step on each other's feet, you awkward, you don't actually dance. And what Solomon is saying is, in the name of religion, we, we're trying to lead God. On the two-step. God, it's really what you want, but come this way. Whatever you want, God, this way, though, God. It doesn't work. God is the one that leads. He leads us. I want to connect this to Jesus because he, he kind of paves the way for what to do. As we have that tension, as we kind of battle the things that we try to do on the outside to appear like we're good, to appear like we have it all together. Jesus tells a story. And in this parable, he wants to draw out these things that we've been talking about. And this is found in Luke 18. And from it, we see that there's a tremendous amount of hope and a challenge. So if religion is not the end-all pursuit, then where's our hope? This is what he says. He says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. So what he's saying is, to everyone who wants to appear like they have it together, and as they appear like they have it together, they look at everyone else and say, I bet you wish you had it together like me. He told this story. Two men went up to the temple to pray. 
One, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. A Pharisee was a religious leader of the time. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. This is what he says. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Robbers. You know, there's all these people in here, and he just, I imagine, begins to look at them. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this. Then he gets specific. Even like this guy that's standing right by me. I'm so glad that I'm not that guy. And he goes on. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. And Jesus goes on. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus goes on. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves exalted. Sometimes in the name of religion, we try to appear like we have it all together. What Jesus is saying is, you don't have to do that. You don't have to play games. We're all sinners. We've all screwed up. We've all done things that we regret. We're all going to do things that we're going to regret. It doesn't matter what you appear or how you compare to others around you. What matters is the fact that God, through Jesus Christ, provides mercy to us as sinners. We've all missed the mark. We've all done things that we wish we wouldn't have done. And Jesus is saying, good, you're all on the same playing field. So the hope is God provides mercy. That's what Christianity is about. Through Jesus, we have grace and mercy that our sin is not held against us. We have hope. Not we do, not what we do on the outside. But the fact that God reaches down in our sinful state through all the mess-ups, through all the turns, through all the things that we've done, good and bad, and He meets us right where we are. That's the hope. And the challenge is humility. And Jesus draws the line. Whoever puffs themselves up, makes it seem like they have it all together, and wants God to stamp their life and their plans Instead of actually finding out what God wants from them, they will be humbled. The idea is, you know, when you're, when you're prideful, you, you put yourself up. You want to be a little bit taller. You want to be a little bit higher. You want to seem a little bit more, have it together. You want to be a little bit smarter, a little bit wiser. Everything's up. If this person's here, I want to be here. If this person's here, I want to be here. That's what pride is. We always want to be above. Humility is, you, you choose the low position. You don't see people as worse off than you. You actually put them above you. That's humility. 
What Jesus is saying is, God is in charge of that. He is the one that humbles. He is the one that exalts. But the promise is this. If you choose humility, and you recognize before God that I really don't have it all together, I recognize that I need His help, I recognize that I'm a sinner, I'm in need of His grace and mercy, there's hope for you. There's hope for me. But again, it stems from do not being rash with our words, with our plans and ideas about what we want our life to look like. But instead, we come to God and we carefully listen. I want to wrap up with two questions that I think all of us need to ask in light of this. And all the pursuits that we've been talking about, and even this idea of religion, trying to do things with our own man-made hands to please God, there's two questions we all have to ask. The first is, do I trust that God knows who I am and what I need. The reason we play games with God is we don't trust Him. We don't. If we did, we wouldn't need to play games. The reason we put on a mask is because we don't want God to see us. We don't want God to know what we're all about. But He already does. He's in heaven. He sees everything. He is God. So I don't need to play games. So it really comes down to, do I trust that God knows who I am and what I need? The second question, will I get to know him and what he wants? That's what following Jesus Christ is about. Getting to know the God of the universe and actually what he wants for your life, what he wants for my life, what he wants for our life. And if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, and you realize that you know, you're trying to fit Jesus into your life and he's a slice, just like your other slices, work, relationships, money, for the first time today, you can decide to take Jesus out of the slice and you can actually put him into the core of your life. That's the place Jesus wants to be. He wants to be at the core. He wants to call the shots for all the areas of your life, all the other slices. Religion, we try to make a slice. Jesus, he can't be a slice. He wants to be the core. And if you've never made that decision to make him boss, to really allow him to call the shots, you can find out more information today. There's a place on your connection card. Uh, If you pull that out, everyone pull that out right now as I'm speaking and wrapping up. There's a place where you can request more information about beginning a relationship with Jesus. If you've never done that, and we've been talking a lot about these myths and these different pursuits, and you realize that you've actually never decided to follow Jesus, and you sense that that's a decision you need to make, we'd, we'd love to give you information about what that means. We'd actually like to help you make that decision and make Jesus the core of your life. So if you've never done that, I, I encourage you to do that. If you have done that, and Jesus is your boss, and you consider yourself a Christian, I want to encourage you. What do you need to listen to God about in your own life? Not what do you need to tell Him, but what does He need to say to you? Is there an area where it's just there's a lot of pressure and a lot of tension related to work, related to relationships, related to marriage, related to parenting, even just success, trying to figure out how to make sense of this life? Is there a sense in which you need to actually listen to God? And the way you do that is you actually 
get into the Bible and find out what God has said. That's how God speaks. He speaks through the Scriptures. As you get to know the Scriptures and you soak them up and you allow God to speak to you, He begins to tell you things that actually can really help you. He gives you perspective from His vantage point on heaven that we can't have from our vantage point here on earth. And so part of recognizing our place, all of us, is understanding that through the Scriptures, God can give us some ideas and some plans about how life works that may actually challenge our own ideas and our own plans. That's why that question, do I trust Him, that He knows me and what I need, that's why it's so crucial. Because if we don't think God would take care of us and rip us off, why would we want to do what He says? So as you wrestle with that, get into the Scriptures and actually discover who He is and what He wants. That's why reading your Bible is so important. You don't want just to listen to a guy like myself talk about the Bible and read some scriptures. God has given you the opportunity to actually read it yourself. And so if you've never done that or you've drifted from that and you've kind of filled your mind with your own ideas or the ideas of other people, maybe it's time. Just take some time to listen to him and allow the scriptures to speak to you. What I found it again and again, that's the thing that actually I can put my hands around. That's the truth. It's not like the wind. It's something that I can actually hold on to that provides tremendous hope. And so I want to encourage you, take some time to do that today, this week. Whenever you have a moment, open up the Bible. If you've never done it, you could start in the the book of John or you could read the book of James. If you're not sure where those are, you could look at the table of contents in your scriptures. If you don't have a Bible, let me know and we will get one for you. There's some other next steps related to that that you can fill out just really to read my Bible every day this week. You can mark that on there if that's something you want to do. There's also a blank. There's just you, you have a sense, this is what I need to do. Related to your words, related to your acts, related to your heart towards God, whatever it is, you can write that in there. And that's just a way of you saying that this is something that I want to do based on what I've heard. So let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the fact that we don't have to play games and appear like we have it all together. You know all the many ways that I have screwed up, and you know all of our ways that we screw up, yet you still offer us grace and mercy. And through Jesus, we can actually find our way back to you. And I just thank you that you... Provide mercy to us sinners. God, I pray that we'll take the time this week to hear from you. That in the scriptures, as we read it and we try to make sense out of it, that you'll speak. Give us just a specific thing that you want us to know, you want us to think about, you want us to act on. And God, just give us the courage to take those steps. I pray you'll do that in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.